All opinions expressed by Andrew Whalen, employees at Whalen Financial, or any other podcast guest are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Whalen Financial. Whalen Financial is a registered investment advisor. This podcast is for information purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Wayland Financial may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Down goes Frazier. Or was it the federal funds rate? Today, the Fed announced their first interest rate hike since prior to the COVID. Yeah, since 2018. Wow. Well, it's so been got- long, long anticipated. When did they announce it first? Was it November of last year? Right. It was the uh, end of November. They started to talk about getting going on rate hikes. And some people didn't believe them for a while, but it finally happened. And it surprised the market a little bit today initially because they said they were going to target seven rate hikes this year. Mm-hmm but they might not get to them all. Yeah, that was a lot. And maybe four next year. Yeah, that was a a lot. And I remember, I think it was Jamie Dimon uh, just a month or two ago when he came out and said maybe seven rate hikes for this year and everyone called him crazy. But, you know, obviously with everything that's going on in Russia that can impact inflation or at least the longevity of higher inflation. So maybe, you know, seven times is, is kind of what they need. But what was interesting is, they announced that they changed the federal funds rate from zero to 0.25 to 0.25 to 0.5. And the market was up like 3% today. Right. Well, everything was up before they even opened their mouth like early in the morning. And then it sold off when you know the announcement came out. And then as as, as Powell kept talking about the economy being strong, then things came back. Sure, especially a lot of those beaten up names. Right, everything that was the, you know, mostly the over, oversold, very high growth yeah. stocks bounced the most today. Well, what I, what I found most interesting is obviously they, they put out new dot plots and kind of give forward guidance on where they think rates are gonna be. And they gave a forecast of potentially, now correct me if I'm wrong, was it 2.8% on the federal funds rate by the end of 2023? Right. So if you said seven rate hikes this year would get you to 175 to two, and then four next year would get you up right. into that 275 to three area. Now and that's based on all the based on all the research we've done around debt levels, right? And like the likely level of rates that can be tolerated, that seems a bit too high to us. Yeah, I I, th- I think so. I think you're absolutely right. It, it is it is too high because it only got to what two and a half in 2018, right? And now we've got it was two and a quarter to two and a half, and now we've got almost double the amount of debt, right? Like fifty percent more. So, <laughs> I mean, it would be it would be surprising if we could get back there. This well, I, time. I just I'm just glad that it's over. Right. It's almost like when you worry about something before it happens and then you worry more, you just wasted a lot of time worrying for no reason. 
And I think that now that they've come out, they've raised rates, they've given us an actual guidance of what they plan on doing. I think the market can actually absorb it a little bit easier than just kind of guessing on what they were going to do. Right. I mean, historically, there have been corrections when rate hikes start and then after they they keep after they start, things settle down. Yeah. And that, that happened last time in 2015 to 16. And so it happened again here. And we expect things to settle down over the course of this year, particularly because, um, you know, all the uh, thinking that I put into uh, the commentary that went out today about the Russia-Ukraine conflict, we don't really see that turning into a huge problem for the world. It'll be a little disruptive, as we as we said, with respect to energy prices being elevated for a while and commodities, but it's hard to see how that turns into um, a big global economically disruptive. No, that was uh, what you put out today was a very well-crafted piece of art. You know, the Mozart of CFAs is who we have here today, ladies and gentlemen. Um, But thanks. Well, you don't, you don't learn about, um, you don't learn much about foreign affairs in the CFA program, unfortunately, you kind of have to educate yourself a little bit more on that. Yeah, but I, I can I can tell you that your position really hasn't changed since the beginning of this, uh, with regards to what this conflict has and the input and the impacts that it has, uh, and the potential. You know, we we run probability models between the two of us on you know at least a weekly basis on some things. And we never really gave it that uh, World War III type of scenario just because of the implications of countries like China, who rely a tremendous amount on us for buying their goods. Um, it would it would you know devastate them if that were to happen. And kind well, of- when it when it first started, um, like on February 24th. So historically, when when military conflicts or wars start, markets tend to bottom. Right. Like when the bombs start falling, as some people have said, and that seems to be the pattern here. Now, this was a little bit different than most because it had the potential of being something really big and disruptive. Like if China were to you know, help Russia militarily or buy their energy and commodities that the Western world doesn't want to buy, yeah. you know, and you could see maybe getting into a, you know, a global conflict with the West versus, you know, the East Asian countries. Well, and, 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 the, and the Fed, but the more the we've, Fed that's why I've been watching the news so closely and thinking about all this stuff so carefully. And the more you look at it all, uh, the more it seems like that's, that's unlikely. There's too right. much for China uh, to risk in going down a path like that. Exactly. But the Fed did agree with you on that point of, you know, prolonged inflation uh, or a little bit more sticky inflation due to the conflict in, in Ukraine, um, just like what we alluded to on last week's episode. So yeah, that's 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 really good. G- great piece. If you guys haven't had a chance to read it yet, make sure you go and read that because it's uh, ab- absolutely fantastic. So you brought a couple charts today that we wanted to kind of go over because it seems to be there's a, a, a bottoming formation right now in at least one of the indexes. Do we want to start with the NASDAQ first or you want to start with the S&P 500? Well, we could start with the S&P 500 first since it's most instructive. Uh, there's a nice little pattern there of, um, of a bottom on, on February 24th. And then um, 
a couple successful retests here in uh, in early March, and with the you know the last one being this Monday, and then things starting to bounce back. So that's the typical kind of pattern that you want to see in a correction or a bear market to feel like, right. you know what, maybe the market's getting close to bottoming. You know, we've had some successful retests and it's starting to come back. Well, here's the lows, right? So just to put it in historical perspective, you know, you you gave me a chart earlier this week to share. And for, for the S&P 500, the average correction is about 14%. Um, where we bottomed along this area and over here in this area over here, was right around 12 or 13. So, you know, by all means, we're actually in a normal correction. And then you shared the chart with the NASDAQ and the average NASDAQ correction, the average since 1970, no, not 1970, the average correction since the GFC, so since 2010, has been almost 16%. And I think at the close just a few days ago, we were down 17 or 18. So, what we've actually been experiencing and where you're at within the realm of what you're investing in, as far as how much growth you're looking for, or if you want a more indexy, uh, what we've actually experienced seems fairly modest with regards to you know, what we've historically seen. And this is what you know, kind of clarifies that a little bit. What I wanted to point out with regards to that volatility, last year, the most the market, the S&P 500 was down intra-year was only 5%. I mean, it's crazy. Right. So, so that's now when we, get it, when we get an actual year where it's down a, a lot, it's the world's coming to an end. Now you have to, you know, put into, you know, what, what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, which makes people a little bit more emotional about things. Um, but, you know, it's, it's quite interesting. Right. So this correction that we're in got worse because of that. It probably wouldn't have been um, that bad. Were it not um, not for that, I mean, I think it it just it it hit the Nasdaq really more than the S and P because that was an inflationary shock. Yeah, yeah, because they have a larger runway to go through to hit their projections. Now, here's my chart that I brought, Carl, and why I think we're fairly close to a potential bottom. Uh, this is a chart that basically looks at cash levels for institutional investors. So that would be like the Merrills, the Morgans of the world, uh, just to, to name a few of them. And what's interesting to me is that these cash levels, you can see March of 2022, April of 2020, October of 16, June of 12, December of 08, they're all almost exactly at the bottom of where the market is. So what this is showing is at the worst possible time, most investors have built up a large amount of cash in their portfolios to hedge even further downside when it's actually been, you know, pretty close to marking the bottoms in the market. Right. So that and that pretty much agrees with some of the um, sentiment indicators that we watch that are a good a good sign when they get really low of um, they're, they're a good contrarian sign of a bottoming process in yeah, markets. Talk, talk, so talk to me what, about those. What, what are some of those sentiment indicators? Not in great detail, but you know, what are some of the things that we look at for potential indications on everybody's really scared? And typically, like Warren Buffett says, you, know, you want to buy when, blood on, when there's blood on the street. 
Yeah, well, there sure there are a number of organizations that put out information or summaries of surveys on sentiment. Uh, one that we look at is the CNN Fear and Greed Index. Um, another that's very much like the um, the cash level that you just showed is the um, the National Association of Active Investment Managers Equity Exposure. And I mean, most of the time, when things are good, that that number is up in the 60s, 70s, 80s, could be 90s. And recently it got down to 30 four to 40 the last couple of weeks, which was the lowest it's been since April of 2020, just coming out of the, the COVID crash. Right. But there are other ones there too. Like there's a, you know, an American Association of um, Individual Investors, Bull Bear Spread, and there, there, there are other ones like that too, where, you know, they're they're doing a survey of um, of different investors and asking them like, are you are you bullish or bearish? And typically, when those indicators uh, get really negative, like yeah, reach the, um, the bears, on either side, yeah, the bears greatly outweigh the bulls, kind of like the little seesaw that I have over here on a on a table, the. Um, you know, markets tend to be bottoming because right. when there are just too many people who are bearish and have sold or are, are you know, or thinking or getting close to being done selling, eventually the selling pressure uh, runs, runs out like, and it, and it finishes and there's nobody else, nobody else left to sell. Well, and that's why it's important to have an unbiased individual in your corner to kind of bring it full circle to the Frasier. Um, that is making investment decisions that remove a large amount of emotions out of it. And, you know, I'll close kind of with this is, you know, no matter how bad you're feeling now, obviously someone like Chamath Papatia is feeling pretty bad with all of his SPACs, but no matter how bad you're feeling, um, nobody can feel as bad as the guy who paid $500,000 for the last Tom Brady touchdown football a day and a half before he announced he was coming back into the NFL. I mean, can you imagine that? That's like buying a painting from a known artist and then later finding out that it, it wasn't really real or you or bought something from done by somebody and you thought that they were no longer alive and then you find out that that's not really true. I would be on the phone with my bank as fast as I could checking to see if that wire transfer for 500,000 went through or not and canceling it if I had the opportunity to. I mean, I just can't believe that. That is, But you know what? That's, that's how the free markets work, I guess. Um, are you enjoying the new office? I am. It's really nice. And I hope uh, people come over to you know, really take a thorough look of it uh, next time they're here. Can't wait to have them all. Uh, there, there are a lot of nice features here. Um, we're a little more spread out and I'm kind of miss being able to hear everybody and have them hear me. Right. But um, it's there are a lot of nice features here and yeah. uh, I hope everyone gets to check that out next time they're here. But uh, speaking of sports, we're all excited for um, you know basketball, March, March Madness. Madness. We do, we do a little office think, pool. We'll see. We're thinking about how to fill out our brackets right now. You know, I think Kim won, not last year because of COVID, but I think Kim actually won. And she just randomly picked teams. 
Um, and then I'm looking at the statistics of it all. And um, <laughs> I think I took second or third. So I got my money back in it. But yeah, it'll be good. It'll be exciting. But hope everybody enjoyed Weekly Sense. Um, we're going to come back, not next week. Janelle, who does all the hard work on the back end, is actually on vacation. So we'll be back the week after for Weekly Sense. So thanks, Carl. I appreciate the time today. Thank you, Andrew. And see you all soon. All opinions expressed by Andrew Whalen, employees at Whalen Financial, or any other podcast guest are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Whalen Financial. Whalen Financial is a registered investment advisor. This podcast is for information purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Whalen Financial may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.